You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. We are back. For those of you that are listening online, subscribe to the podcast. You may have realized that you've missed a few days. Did you miss us? Did you miss me? Uh, No Collective Cafe to go on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, because I was in St. Louis for my daughter's graduation, but we still had our collective cafe. Uh, it doesn't stop. It never stops. It's just that when I am away from my computer, I don't have the ability to record it, and therefore uh, I'm sure there is a recording solution. I'll figure that out soon enough. Uh, but when I'm on the road at the moment, I'm not like taking a rig or anything. I'm just kind of, you know, unplugged as it were. Good morning to Bez. Uh, today is Wellness Wednesday, and um, I've got a few things that I want to kind of address uh, in the cafe chat. I just posted um, a few photos for you. Um, one of my daughter and I at graduation, um, and just a little bit of a fun photo. One of the sun setting as we were uh, flying into LaGuardia, just a magnificent view of Manhattan, and uh, the Freedom Tower, um, the the base uh, of Manhattan, um, <clears throat> and uh, it's just a wow, just a beautiful photo. 
I wanted to talk today about the about resilience. I mean, it's Wellness Wednesday, and uh, you know the thing the thing about resilience. I mean, resilience is resilience. It just comes up again and again and again. And you know, in context, um, Sterling K. Brown. Everyone spoke about it at graduation, um, but mainly the dean spoke about it. And, you know, what was amazing, uh, actually the, the undergrad speakers, but everyone spoke about it. Why? Because my daughter's year, the class of 2023, is actually one of the most unique years, uh, maybe the most unique year um, in recent time, certainly in this generation, because they basically bookended COVID. So my daughter's first year, at least the first part of the first year, and the last part of the last year, in fact, the whole of the last year, were normal. Everything else was not. So, you know, she, we flew in for um, convocation for her move-in. We helped her move in. We attended convocation in the gym um, I don't know, 3,000 freshman students, a uh, big party out on the like, plaza. Everything was normal. We were there for visiting day, for family visiting day. Everything was normal. Um, that was in October of 2019, basically. <clears throat> and then, of course, we know what happened March uh, of 2020 and um, the remainder of her freshman year, and then everything that transpired thereafter. And we ended with, um, you know, outdoors on what's called on Francis Field. And uh, it's just a unique moment. And the deans basically spoke about how resilient this group is and have had to be, how they've had to just take everything in their stride and, um, <clears throat> and just cope. And I- I'm not sure that that, like, I have a, a modification on that. Uh, first of all, I don't think resilience is something... Resilience is not a first-time thing. You can't be resilient in something that's happening to you for the first time. I mean, this is my opinion. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Because one might argue that even though we want to give credit to these students, and we should, and they deserve it, period, no buts, no caveats, and, right, even though, because they did have to deal, the fact is they had to deal. When you have to deal with something, you really have a very binary choice. Deal with it or don't deal with it. It's really that simple. Sink or swim. Which one do you choose? Well, most people will choose to swim, to survive versus not survive. I mean, it is the survival instinct. Self-preservation, live or die. Maybe sometimes life needs to be that simple. Uh, you know, just just make a decision. Stop wishy-washing and 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 fighting to be ambiguous. Right? Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. The VUCA world. But sometimes we can find the simplicity and the clarity and the ability to just see things very, very clearly, left or right, fork in the road, take it. So resilience is not something that happens the very first time. 
you know, many of these kids, students, deans, parents, we just figured it out. We just did what we could and did what we had to and did our best. And that's okay. That's wonderful, actually. Um, that's kind of what parenting is. That's what you realize. We've just come off, you know, Mother's Day. It was a difficult Mother's Day for me. First Mother's Day since my mom passed. And, um, but you know, I grew up, my mom was my hero, role model, mentor. She just always knew the right answer. She always knew what to do. Like, she just, she was my mom. She knew better. She was my parent. Today, things are very different, which is sad that kids now don't necessarily believe that their parents know better or are wiser. They don't give them the deference and the respect. That age of innocence is gone. It's sad because there's too much distraction and too much noise out there. But what I realized, and you realize this, of course, guess when you realize it, when you become a parent, that your parents were about as clueless as you were or are. And you're just trying to figure it out and make it up as you go along and hope and pray to God that you made the right decision. And that there aren't going to be repercussions that happen one day, one week, one month, one year down the road. So I think that that, to me, that was a revelation when I realized how flawed, fallible, vulnerable, fragile, imperfect my mother was. I mean, obviously, I only had one parent. But that parents are just, just trying to do their best, just trying to cope, just trying to figure out. There is no parenting playbook. There's therapy, there's parenting for dummies, there's advice, there's support groups. There's a lot of, it's not to say that there aren't assets or that there aren't resources, but for the most part, you know, parenting is like stumbling through the dark and there are lots of bumps and bruises along the way because there are lots of obstacles along the way. And that, for me, has been my revelation. But resilience, resilience comes from being battle-tested and battle-scored. Resilience is two plus. Resilience is not one. The first time, it's just like thrown in the deep end, sink or swim, figure it out. Survival instinct. There's a lot of stuff that's happening, but I don't know that that's necessarily resilience. It might be determination, it might be grit, it might be passion, it might be purpose, it might be endurance, there might be a lot of factors in play, but resilience, no. And trying to teach that to a kid, how to be more resilient, well, the only way you can... (laughs) The only way that you can teach resilience is to experience hardship, obstacles, adversity, being battle-tested and and battle-scored. You know, ultimately, one of the most primal behavioral aspects of us, of us as humans, is that was good, let's do that again. That wasn't good, let's not do that again. But let's say, you know, 
accentuate the, the positives and eliminate or minimize the negatives. For the most part, that's true. In the startup world, rinse and repeat, scale with success. A small L, pivot. A big L, discontinue. Okay, that didn't work at all. Let's clean up the mess and hopefully we live to fight another day. Resilience has to come from the past into the present. And resilience can then, almost like the baton in a marathon or not a marathon, in a relay race, has to then get passed on to be able to give you the power, the motivation, the the ability to keep going, to accelerate, to build momentum, to overcome obstacles and ultimately to win. So that's a little bit of a setup on Wellness Wednesday. Um, I don't know if I've sh- if I've if I've um, shown this before, but if you actually go and have a look at um, this chart, and um, it seems to be there's a few interesting things going on here. There's this thing of um, I mean, it says Samuel Ben Benny or Ben Me, eighteen seventy-five. I got to research that. But there is this chart, and it says periods when to make money. So let's go through that chart. I just saw this on LinkedIn, and so like I just pulled it. Um, and A A years on which panics have occurred and will occur again. 1927, 1945, 1965, 1981, 1999, 2019, 2035. Okay, in the future. 2053, I'll be 83. So I've got, according to this, two more uh, peaks. When panics have occurred and will occur again. Um, B, represents years of good times. <clears throat> High prices and the time to sell stocks and values of all kinds. So all things being equal, according to this chart, that's 2026, if I'm reading this correctly. And C represents years of hard times, low prices, although I think we're inflationary at the moment, a good time to buy stocks, corner lots, goods, etc., and hold till the boom reaches the years of good times, then unload. Then it says, sure thing, save this card and watch it closely. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, When we look at C, C is 2023. That looks like the the bottom, right? Years of hard times, low prices, and a good time to buy stocks, corner lots, goods, etc. And hold. According to this, you know, 2019... Ironically, just preempting the pandemic, but also 1945, the end of the war. I guess 1927, a little bit of post depression. But according to this, just if we're looking at it on face value, 
I'm just checking. Are we in 2022 or 2023 at the moment? I actually literally am, have forgotten kind of which year we're in. Yep, it's 2023. So we are right now at this bottom according to this. I don't even, you know, I've got to go and, and, and do a little bit of research here in, ter- in terms of Samuel Benny. Let, let, let's, let's see if we can find out a little bit about this dude. Samuel Benny. 1875, Benner, 1875, Uh, there is, there is actually something, there's actually something, Samuel Benner, by the way, I love finding these rando things, and then just building an entire episode, episode, an entire chat on this, Uh, Rini said, this was used in the Generations book by Strauss and Howe. Oh, the chart. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, it's called, so the article I just posted says how the Benner cycle predicts 100, year, 100 plus years of market movement. So Samuel Benner. Samuel Benner was a farmer from the 1800s who wanted to understand how market cycles worked. In 1875, he published a book forecasting business and commodity prices He identified years of panic, years of good times, and years of hard times. Panic years, these are years when the market panicked, either buying or selling a stock irrationally until its price skyrocketed or plummeted beyond anyone's wildest expectations. Sounds like some of the shit coins or altcoins, right? Good times, years been identified as times of high prices, and the best time to sell stocks, values, and assets of all kinds. Hard times. In these years, Benner recommends buying stocks, goods, and assets and holding them until the boom years of good times. Then unload. And then um, it says 100 plus years of sure thing. Uh, That's where I guess sure thing. At the bottom of his card, Benner wrote sure thing. And for 100 years, he's been close to perfect As a prosperous Ohio farmer, the 1873 market panic was a blow for Samuel Benner and it wiped him out. When trying to understand why this happened, Benner discovered the notion of market cycles. As a farmer, Samuel knew that the the seasonal cycles affected crops, which then affects supply and demand, which affects the price. Benner looked deeper into these cycles and found an 11-year cycle in corn and pig prices with peaks every five to six years. This matches the 11-year solar cycle. Benner figured out that this solar cycle affects crop yield, affecting revenue, supply and demand, and price. The Benner cycle also uses a 27-year cycle in pig iron prices with lows every 11, 9, 7 years and peaks coming in at 8, 9, and 10 years. Studying market history helps you learn how these cycles affect price and how they still affect price today. Now the year is 2021... And on the Benner cycle, we're just coming out of a, of a panic cycle. There isn't another mention on the Benner cycle chart until 2023. So we could keep grinding the market high until it breaks, resulting in another market crash and years of hard times in the market. There is no exact science for market predictions, especially when it's from a pig farmer from 100 years ago. However, the world is cyclical and it pays to pay attention. As one commenter said, Missed 2008 as a biggie, but not bad for 1875 math. Yeah, we know what happened in 2008, right? 
but even though it was 1875 math, I'd say it was pretty close. The Benner cycle says that 2007 is a year of high prices and a time to sell stock. If you see the S&P charts below, this would have prepared you well for the coming 2008 crash. Um, and then uh, I'll just finish. It says, when using the Benner cycle, combine it with other indicators and reasons to take a trade. This cycle study is a great long-term warning sign for potential reversals and panics, but you still have to make it work within your trading plan. Um, you know, I'll tell you um, what's so interesting to me, by the way, is that it almost seems like Benner was a time traveler. Almost. Um, by the way, uh, morning Billy, and uh, I commented today, your friend, uh, congratulations on your friend's book and helping him with the launch. And uh, if you like, just direct your friend to me and let's see if there is um, something that we can do with the show, maybe with the Discord. Um, you know, <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out a way to start monetizing uh, but maybe there's just a way because it is from a friend and you're working with him that we can do something for him. Uh, the book is called The Conquering Creative. Um, one other thing just to tell you guys is that I am going to cut it a little short today uh, because I'm actually in an all-day meeting and I have to leave round about um, 8.45, um, 8.50. So I'll stop the recording at about 8.45, um, and you, depending if anyone wants to continue, can come up to the stage, um, and you can uh, you can continue for an extra 50 minutes. The PO app will be available um, from 8.45 to 9.15. Uh, it is a magic PO app, which means that if you meet me IRL, anytime this year, I will buy you breakfast, and you just have to show me the PO app, and the uh, password today is rasher of bacon. Three words, lowercase, rasher of bacon. Um, not that I will eat the bacon because it's not kosher. Um, but you can order bacon if you so choose. Um, so I just wanted uh, to mention that. Um, so again, you know, the the thing about resilience is that, you know, we don't, he has a thought for you. Does the the thing or the act have had, to, does it have to have ha happened to us in order for us to be resilient? Can we draw on the resilience of others? Can we learn from history? Can we make sure to not repeat history when we know history repeats itself? That, to me, is part of this takeaway when I look at this chart. It's, it's have we met before? Deja vu. Have we met before? And the answer is yes. We have met before. Because history repeats itself. Be Bez, I'm disappointed with you, my friend, because... I can tell you that I do not eat bacon, but it would not be a ration of bacon. It would be a rasher of bacon. Um, so you're the bacon eater, not me. Um, so anyway, that's for a shout out to ChatGPT or Otter.ai attempting uh, to decipher 
this as well. So I think what's interesting is that we can actually almost rent resilience. We can almost, you know, become more resilient via osmosis, via community, by learning from others, which implies that others are open to sharing and being more vulnerable themselves and more giving and allow themselves to be weak or demonstrate or share weakness because that's one of the hardest things for us to do. That's how we can almost, in a way, share resilience or or dish out resilience, dole out resilience, like kindness. We can... We can give out kindness. We can also give out or loan out resilience. Hey, I made these mistakes. You don't have to make them as well. Let me avoid, let me help you from making these mistakes. One of the things, for example, if someone's starting a talk show or a podcast or even a collective at some point, I want to share. I want to share my lessons, my learnings. I was thinking about it this morning, driving home, and I was thinking, should I have a seven-figure year? Which, you know, in my life, I've never had. I, I mean, I suppose when I sold my company, that might be an exception. But for the most part, in terms of actual revenue generated, not coming from an acquisition, I've never had one. When I do, if I do, when I do, you know, whatever, if or when, I don't have to be like, oh, I'm not going to say if. If if I have one, I want to share. The first thing I want to do is to share. Is to share how I got there. The mistakes that I made. The things I wish I had known. The things that I would have done differently. So that in that moment of success, at least financially, I can can immediately give back or share something. This is how it happened to me. I hope hope it can happen to you in an even quicker amount of time. Well, I hope it doesn't take as long for you. Here are some of the shortcuts or some of the fast tracks or some of the or, or some of the detours or some of the poor decisions that I either made knowingly or unknowingly, wittingly or unwittingly, informed or ignorant. I think that's one of the the, the most amazing things is the moment that we have success in life. The first thing we should do is want to give back, is minimize the celebration, the gloating, the, you know, enjoy it, we deserve it, but immediately think about other people. And just to be clear, no humble bragging, no bragging, because a lot of people do that too. A lot of people brag and boast. And most of the time, I, I would say most of the time, I would say oftentimes the numbers, the eight figures, the seven figures, the 10Xs, 
I wonder whether I wonder whether they're even true. So that's what I was thinking. You know, on a Wellness Wednesday, when we're struggling, when so many people are struggling, when we are thinking about mental health, we all need to be more resilient. But what that means is we all need hardship, challenges, adversity, making mistakes, failing, getting rejected. We all need it. We all need these challenges in life, these battles, these wars, these we we all need to be tested to determine what we're made of and what we're capable of. You know, as we were I was um I was I don't know if I've told this story. It's a you know personal story, but uh, we were driving <clears throat> I was actually with with my um with my rabbi and we we're driving to um a very spiritual place to pray and um and he told me a story. He told me a story about this uh unbelievably pious religious, you know, righteous uh man. St- spiritual, religious leader, etc., uh, rabbi, whatever. And uh, he was nearing the end of his life. And it was clear that he was nearing the end of his life. And he had had, he had, had a long life. Let's just say he was 100 years old. And he had all his you know, followers, students, disciples, whatever you want to say, around him. And when contemplating and discussing and realizing that his end was near, he just burst into tears and was inconsolable. And they all looked at him and they said, why are you of all people crying? You are probably one of the most pious, righteous people in the world. There can be no doubt as to where you're going and what lies ahead and, um, and kind of what, what the next step looks like for you. What are, you, what are you worried about? What are you afraid of? And he said, I'm not crying for, for that. I'm crying because I'm wondering whether I was the best version of myself. Did I do everything that I could have done? Did I reach my potential? Did I reach the heights? Did I make the most of every single opportunity that was given to me or presented to me? Did I overcome every hurdle? Did I learn from my mistakes? Did I share? Did I care? Did I give? Did I, you know, obviously I'm paraphrasing. I didn't meet this person. Um, Was I the best version of myself? He was comparing himself to himself, not to others. And I love that. I love that story. I love that idea of recognizing potential. Well, how do we recognize potential? How do we know what we're capable of? We only know what we're capable of when we're tested. Surely. I mean, where's the limit? 
Where's the edge? How much is too far? At what point do we say, you know, it's like it's it's like a, it's like a drinking game. I'm 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 reminded of that, you know, the drinking game where you have this glass bobbing in water and you keep filling it up. And you fill 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 a few drops every time. And eventually the drop that sinks the 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 glass, that's the person that has to drink. And when you think that this is the drop that is going to finally you know be the straw that broke the camel's back, right? The the one that sinks the glass. Typically, <clears throat> there's still about 12 or 14 or 15 or 20 more drops. There was still so much give or so much flex or so much um, more effort or opportunity left. And we sell ourselves short. You know, we stick our necks out, but we pull them back very quickly. As opposed to we stick our neck out, we stick our neck out even further. We keep sticking our neck out until someone attempts to come and chop it off. And maybe they do and maybe they don't. You never know where the edge is until you get there, until you reach it. You know, they call it the leading edge and the bleeding edge. The bleeding edge is the one that actually cuts you. When you're so close to it, because it is sharp, the edge. It's not, it's not you know, safe. It's sharp. It's dangerous, the edge. So much so that it can cut you. That it may draw blood. That's the bleeding edge. And it's not for everybody, nor am I suggesting or advocating that we should all push ourselves to the limit, to the point where we cut ourselves, to the point where we bleed, to the point where we fall over. That is not what I'm saying. And it's not for everyone. But along the way, we will be tested And the question becomes, what do we do about it? You know, do we fold? We will falter, we will fall, but will we fold? Or will we pick ourselves up? Now emboldened, emblazoned, you know, powered, super powered, supercharged, by the lesson learnt, by the wisdom that comes from our experience firsthand and, to the point I made earlier, shared experiences as well. Hey, this is what worked for me. What about you? And then we triangulate. Those of us that are here today, the wisdom of crowds will prevail. If each one of us shares a story, a lesson learned, a success story, a moment of vulnerability, a moment of weakness, we all become stronger for it. 
That's the power of community plus resilience. It equals an exponential catalyst or or momentum maker. I mean, these are the lessons now going back to parenting that I'm trying to teach my kids, in particular my son, my youngest. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, whatever, you know. He says, I quote, provide too many analogies and metaphors and stories. You know, guilty as charged. I got an acronym, an abbreviation, a matrix, an analogy, uh, (laughs) you know, I get I get paid by the truckloads. And why do kids not have resilience? Because they don't have experience. They don't have life experience. It's almost like you can't expect a kid to be resilient. But you can put them in situations where they are not situations to fail but where they are allowed to fail. Where they are given free choice, free will, to make decisions for themselves that allow them to succeed or fail and recognize that in the failure comes the the ultimate gift, which is the ability to learn to experience the ability to become more resilient early on and build that resilience muscle, wisdom, experience. It's powerful. It's why I think the 23-year-old bros in Web3 are at a disadvantage it's why every time someone says, says, okay, boomer, they're missing the point. They're missing the power of the boomer. The ability to, to form an unbeatable partnership with said boomer. To learn from those that have come before you And find that mix, as I often talk about, the best of the old with the best of the new. That's the formula. You know, as we fill out our Alpha Talk speakers and uh, launching, by the way, I was talking to Rini yesterday. Um, I don't know that I've even shared this with you, but starting next week, we start rolling out our Alpha Beta speaks, our Alpha Beta talks, our Alpha Beta speakers. That's what I was trying to say. I was going to say speakers and talks, and I said speaks. So the Alpha Beta talks will be people who are not Alpha talk speakers, at least won't. Some of them may move over. They'll all get a a membership pass, so they'll get the same perk and benefit. The, 
what they won't get is they'll have a they'll have a smaller private audience because there won't be a private audience as we ramp up our members and our membership but they will be able to actually have an initial larger audience because these alpha beta talks will be free to the public and and we're going to bring in a mix of old and new of we're going to bring in web 3 and web 2 and web 1 and web 0 and web minus 1 and we're going to bring in old and young and we're going to bring in people that love web 3 and people that hate web 3 in fact you may have seen a tweet of mine that actually said calling all dissidents um you know critics etc if you if you guys know if you guys know of anyone that's deeply, deeply against Web3, send them my way because we want to bring them in and make them an alpha beta speaker. We want both perspectives. We want diversity of perspective. We want resilience. The biggest gift we can give those 23 old bros is to learn from the past instead of being able to diss it or dismiss it, instead of okay boomering us. I'm not a boomer, I'm a Gen Xer, but I may as well be a boomer to them. To look at and learn from our new friend, I'd love to bring him into the show, but I have a feeling uh, his days, his better days may have passed. Good old Samuel Benner. So on the one hand, as they say, this too shall pass. And on the other hand is recognizing that we're not that special. That history is both on our side and against us. The sands of time are more like currents of time. You know, just to... Shout out to Groundswell as we um, continue our live read tomorrow. We are in this incredible, powerful, natural force, currents, cycles. And we we can move with them and almost become one with them. Or we can choose to fight them or dismiss them or ignore them at our peril. So that's what I wanted to share with you on this Wellness Wednesday. The power of resilience. The power of learning from our past in order to move forward. Not dissimilar to Dan Pink and his book Regrets or Regret. How looking back moves us forward. In a way... He really is just talking about resilience. He's talking about not, you know, not dismissing it, not lamenting it, but actually leaning into the regret. 
leaning into it. As opposed to the people that say, I don't have any regrets. These are all the things that happened for me, not to me. Hell, I mean, I want to be more like that. But instead, I'm learning to have more regret. Because I think if you don't have regret, then you don't become more resilient. You dismiss it. It's like mourning. It's like everything. It's like depression. It's like it's the ability to let it swim and soak and and in, and encompass and surround and almost smother, smother and smother, but not suffocate. I should say, smother but not suffocate. Lean into it. Even love it. You know, dial, dial into the masochism. Even love it. Learn to love it. Because, you know, some things come with a price. But this one comes with a reward. And that reward, my friends, is resilience. So I'm going to end things a little early today because of my all-day meeting. And um, as I said, the PO app should be available right now. Rasher of Bacon. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with... Um, i got a lot to accomplish. I'm going to stop the recording. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.